And again, that's why communication is so important in this industry, because if you don't know what's going on as the defense team, we've got to assume the worst and, and we've got to do what we can to protect the company's interest. Welcome to Collecting Thoughts, CNR Software's new podcast. We're your one-stop shop for digestible industry news, anecdotes, and advice as told by the boots on the ground industry leaders and subject matter experts. We'll be covering topics across the collection space, technology, and finance. I'm your host, Christina, and I'm happy to have you join us. Let's welcome today's guest, Gene Clark, currently the Director of Credit and Collections at OTR Wheel Engineering. Gene has been in the industry for the last 10 years. Although he's worked in other areas within manufacturing throughout his career, working in collections is a part of his family history. He's had numerous family members who have either managed debt collection agencies or worked in credit, and at one of the first skip tracing software companies. When he's not working, he's spending time with his kids. He has three with a fourth on the way. Gene, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So let's start with your passions about the industry, right? Because you described yourself as destined to be a part of collections. So I can imagine you've had a really great connection when working in this space. Yes. So when I was younger, much younger, I guess you could say kind of interned or more or less just had a a summer job working with some of my uncles at their collection agencies, doing basic, you know, filing papers, help all their collectors out any way I could. And initially, I never wanted to get into the industry because they focused on consumer debt collections. And after getting my finance degree and having one of my customers when I worked in banking recruit me to come work for their company as a collection specialist, fell in love, fell in love with commercial collections. Almost became like a, a sport to me. You, you've got your numbers and being a finance major, numbers were always important to me. And it was just, okay, how, how low can I get my past due balance to be? How low can we get these percentages? How quickly can we get this money in? I've just been passionate about it ever since. Oh, that's such a fun story. So I, just to give you some background, I'm relatively new to the collection space. I spent five years in mortgage, and I've been with this company since August. And we primarily focus on first party and third party, but, you know, mostly consumer facing collections through our clients. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about what you like about the B2B side? I know you mentioned the game game of it, like getting the numbers really low, but is there anything else that sticks out to you? I, I think what's neat about it is the salespeople that we work with will tell you, We don't try to sell and we're not as customer oriented as we could be just because we have to be the bad guy. I don't mind taking on that role. And I try to emphasize to our sales team, let me be the bad guy. I want you to be the good guy. That way you can always go in. You can hopefully get more sales. And if there's bad news, I can deliver that. Good news, you can deliver that. There's so much customer interaction. And besides your sales team that's going out talking to the customer, your customer service, customer care teams that are taking orders or dealing with customers on a day-to-day basis, your credit and collection team is just as integral as anybody else in that customer experience. Mm -hmm. So you've got to give great customer service and you've got to make sure you're a squeaky wheel enough that 
people are, are willing to pay you to make you stop calling them, stop emailing them, but you don't want to do it so much that they just refuse to do any business with you and they purposely hold those payments back because you're, you're bugging them and they just want to kind of poke you. And so there's so much game aspect to it. And it's how far can I push somebody to where they pay me first and they put my, my check on the top mm -hmm. of the stack versus I've pushed them too far. And now not only are they not going to pay me or hold my payment longer, they're not going to buy from us in the future. So maintaining that relationship to keep you at the top of the repayment hierarchy, right? We all have bills. So who's getting, who's getting that first payment? Yes. I noticed on your LinkedIn, um, the description of your role talked about pre-delinquency. So when you're doing the strategy to find that sweet spot of how do I get them to pay me back, how do you work in pre-delinquency strategies, like getting them right before it gets to the uncomfortable conversation part of, of the, the role? I, I think what's important is making sure you've got an established line of communication. As long as you've got that, even if they're getting further and further out, and even if they're not able to send, you know, some good faith payments, as long as when you call or you send an email, there's a response back in a decent amount of time. That's the biggest key is, is keeping those lines of communication open. And again, knowing when you can push a little bit harder and when you've got to pull back and and make sure, okay, we're, we're really working together, building this relationship, and I want to help you as much as, as you want to get these invoices paid. So I think making sure lines of communication are open and then being willing and able to kind of make a quick decision if the customer's habits have changed. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so hard to come up with a set credit policy or collection policy not every customer is the same. And you might have a customer that has consistently paid within five, 10 days of an invoice coming due. And then all of a sudden, 30, 45, 60 days late, you can't get in touch with them at all. You've got to pull that trigger faster versus a customer that you know they're always going to pay 30, 45 days late. They're constantly in communication with you or a customer who preemptively reaches out hey, you know, it's our seasonal time. We're going to be ramping up sales, but the money's not going to come in. We're going to be a little bit slower this time of year. And, and again, that's why communication is so important in this industry, because if you don't know what's going on as the defense team, we've got to assume the worst and, and we've got to do what we can to protect the company's interest. Yeah, having that really close relationship so they feel comfortable enough giving you that heads up, but also... I can imagine having the data on their payment patterns and, and everything can help you make a right decision without jumping to a conclusion that may tarnish the relationship that you've previously built with your customer. Exactly. And you've got to really take your payment data as the highest data point and the most important data point because mm -hmm. you can run credit reports and you can get credit references from customers, but you know they're going to give you their best credit references most companies are not reporting to these credit agencies, even if they're using them, even if they're using a Dun & Bradstreet, a credit safe or whoever, that doesn't mean they're giving those credit bureaus the data that they're, they're collecting. 
So it's, it's your own payment history, your own payment data that's really going to tell you, how is this customer going to behave when they pay me in the future? And if there's a shift, you've got to react accordingly. Although you're focused on using the relationship, it seems, as the core model to making sure that the correct decisions are being made, has the company or are they also utilizing any new technologies to help with that? Any automated processes to kind of help help make those decisions even easier? Um, absolutely. Well, I think it's important to make sure that you're you're working with either an industry-specific credit group uh, and or some of the business credit bureaus. Mm -hmm. I think having that industry-specific credit group, if you've got one for the industry you're working in, if you can collect that data from those credit bureaus, even knowing it's not a complete picture. And then still, when you're setting up a customer or when you're looking to change them from a, a cash in advance to having credit terms, net 30, net 45 days, if you're going to collect their credit references, you can take those into consideration. You just also have to know these are going to be the best credit references I have. That's, that's who they're going to give. So if somebody was want a credit reference on me, I'm going to give them, okay, here's my best friend. Here's my mom. Like, I'm going to give you people that are going to say great things about me. <laughs> that, that's why you've always got to take those into consideration, but just know, okay, well, this is the absolute best picture. And that's why if you ever get a credit reference back that a customer has given you and it's not glowing, that is a huge red flag. Ah, oh, maybe we should not do business with them. Or I'll even reach out and say, hey, was there some miscommunication? Am I not interpreting this correctly? Uh, because if somebody gives me a bad reference that the customer specifically gave me, that's a that's a red flag. And, and that should make you pause and say, maybe we shouldn't give them credit terms or maybe we should give them a lower credit limit. And you're, you're starting out that relationship kind of on rocky ground already. And is this how you format your onboarding process to kind of get a scope of, of what you're going to be working with in the long-term relationship with a particular customer? Absolutely. So that's a great question. The best thing to do when you're onboarding a customer, get their credit application in, get all that information in, run your credit review. And then if you're extending them terms with any new customer, you should always watch them a little closer. How do they, how do they pay on those first one, two, five invoices, and that should give you a good pattern right from the jump. Another thing I recommend is anybody you're extending credit to, try to review those accounts on an annual basis, whether that's, okay, January 1st, we're going to go through everybody, or maybe every month you're going through a chunk of those customers. But if you can review everybody, because I'm sure every business owner knows a lot can change from one year to the next. That's not just in our business, that's with all of our customers as well. And if you're letting customers sit out there without performing some kind of review and they're only ordering maybe every two, three years, you're really setting yourself up for a lot more risk. I mean, three years ago, right now, we were all shut down. We didn't know what was gonna be happening. And the collection world was a little turned upside down because nobody wanted to pay us, but we've all got our employers that are like, you got to collect the money because we don't know what's happening and we don't want to pay anybody. 
And suddenly no one's at their office to answer their desk right, phone. Right, and, and we still have that. We still have, oh, we, we sent our payables team home and they're working remotely. Please email the, the group inbox. And so the, the world has really changed. And if you're not taking the time to perform those reviews on your customers, your existing customers that you have relationships with, where you can see how are they trending with their sales? How are they trending with their payments? You're just putting yourself in a potential bad position where you might be selling to a customer that doesn't have the best credit anymore, like they did when you originally set them up and originally did your review. So those are, are very important things to do while you continue your credit process and, and just continue reviewing those customers. Mm -hmm. And do you have a specific strategy for when you're, you're doing this review and you kind of come across a customer that you've built a relationship with and you notice that things are kind of on the decline? Their repayments gradually getting farther and farther away. So what do you do in those scenarios? It really depends. And that's, that's a terrible answer. Mm -hmm. There's such an art to the credit and collection world that just isn't talked about because you've got to take everybody with their own individual circumstances. If you've got a customer that maybe purchases once or twice a year from you and their average sale amount is $200, $300 and they're slow to respond, they're slow to pay, that might be a situation where even though they've bought from you for 20 years, it might make more sense for your company, and even their company, if you just say, you know what, we're going to have you go ahead and pay for these orders in advance. It's just not worth the, the headache and the time and effort and energy okay. to continue to reach out and try to collect on such a small balance. Whereas if you've got a, a larger customer that purchases tens of thousands of dollars from you every single month, you've had this relationship for a long time, that's one where you're going to notice that change a little bit faster because they're buying from you on a, a weekly basis and in theory should be sending you payments on a weekly basis. So you'll, you'll notice if things aren't getting paid and things are starting to build up and that aging is starting to grow. That's where you're hoping you've built that relationship and you can reach out and just have a frank conversation. Okay, what's going on? And if you need to escalate it, get you know your CFO involved if needed, either sales rep or head of sales involved, depending on that, that size of the customer and sit down, sit down with their AP department, their buyers, and just understand, you know, is this a cash flow issue? Is this seasonality? We've got customers that purchase other businesses and now their cash flows a little tight. While you don't like that and you prefer them to use their bank and use their own finances, you understand that, that this is the world we're in and this is the game we have to play. And that's why we've got these jobs and we're in these positions to figure out how can we work together and make this a, a beneficial relationship? Because in the end, if your customers are growing, in theory, that means they're going to need more product from you. And so you're going to grow along with them. So you've really got to position it as this is a partnership. How can we work together to get through this time period where your cash is a little bit tighter than it usually is, but your sales are, are ramping up? Yeah, and you're right. It really is an unexpected art form to be able to communicate on such sensitive topics, right? It's people's finances, especially if you're dealing with like from large corporations to family owned businesses, mm -hmm. you have to 
maintain an ability to have this conversation, which is somewhat transactional, but also keeping the humanistic side of it because they're all people trying to do well in their business. Exactly. I don't believe there's anybody out there that's purposely going to try to scam you or purposely order something and, and not pay you. You are going to run across that. I think in the past 10 years, I've maybe seen it two or three times where we've run into a situation where everything looked good on the surface level. So we didn't dive any deeper and we extended credit terms. Then we never heard from anybody again. And then when we started trying to collect, we noticed not everything was adding up and you try to learn from those moments and those lessons, but they're so few and far between. What you see more is maybe a customer has grown too fast. Cash is king. And if they don't have it, they might not be able to survive that growth. And so you're trying to just mitigate that risk and, and make sure their business is healthy so that they can keep paying their bills. Is there any story that you want to share, whether it's of like a great win or something that your team overcame to help a customer, you know, get over a tricky situation? I've got a recent one. It kind of just worked out. We had a situation where we'd had a, a big customer who just for whatever reason was not paying their past due balance. They did a significant amount of business with us. So relative to everything, it wasn't a huge balance, but it was still a, a six-figure past due balance. And we're talking five, six months that the terms came up. It, it is extremely past due. It was issued a long time ago. I will say we probably overstepped. We probably should have gotten sales involved a, a, a hair sooner than we did. Um, but we just reached out and we just laid out the facts for the customer. It was, hey, we've been reaching out. We've not heard back from anybody. Everybody that we've been told to communicate with has either not responded or has told us to communicate with somebody else. We've got these invoices that are over six months old. We need to know what is going on because we don't want your account to get shut down. We, we don't want okay. this situation to cause us to say, we have to put you on hold because you're ignoring this issue. Our sales team found out they were not happy about that because it was a big customer and they felt we had overstepped. That was the first time we got a legitimate response, a response. from the customer. Yeah. And, and that's where that, that art comes in of, Hey, I've been trying to play nice. I, I've been trying to build this relationship, but I'm not getting anywhere. I need to push. And sometimes you want to ask permission. Sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness. But you've got to push customers at times just to get them to respond and react because they know that the squeaky wheel is going to get the attention. If you're not the squeaky wheel, they're just going to say, oh, you know what? We'll figure this out later. It's not bothering them, so we won't worry about it right now. And, and we're all like that. We're, we are all like that with a mm -hmm. lot of things in life. So, you know, again, it's not a company. We're dealing with individual people that work in an accounts payable department at a company. So you're still dealing with people and, and how human nature is and human tendencies. So as soon as we pushed, we got the responses we wanted and it took about six or seven weeks, but we got everything cleaned up. It was a pricing issue. And on those hundreds of thousands of dollars that they were holding payment on, it was about a $7,000 pricing issue. And you're like, oh, 
could we not, could you not have just sent the money? What have we been doing? Yeah. And that goes back to the art of it. Like you got to know when to be soft, when to be stern, maintain that relationship. And it's, it's easy to let your emotions get the best of you. If you've been dealing with people and customers for a long time and they've always been difficult and now they're, they're even more difficult and you've got to just do your best to maintain that professional relationship, especially in this role, stick to the facts, stick to, okay, this is what, this is what we're seeing. This is what's been happening because of this, we are going to have to put you on hold because of this. You have until the end of the week to respond before X, Y, Z happens. Mm-hmm. Got to try your best, take the emotion out of it and just say, okay, here it is. Lay it on the table. And sometimes you just hope for the best and you guys hope you get a little bit lucky. Well, Jane, it has been really great speaking with you today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to share? I would say that if, if you're new to the industry... Don't be afraid to just kind of get out there and go for it. My first week, I had no idea what I was doing. And the person that was training me was retiring in two weeks. And so first day at the office, I I went around. My boss took me around. I met people, didn't remember anybody's name. And then I sat with this woman and she showed me how to do deposits and how to apply the payments and everything. And next morning came in. And she's like, okay, you're going to do the collection calls today. And so I I said, hey, uh, all right, uh, can I watch you? Do you have a little template or script? How are we going to do this? She's like, nope, here's your list of customers. Figure it out. And you just say, go for it. And so I I think that's the best way to do it is just keep that emotion out of it. Just go for it. Just jump into it and know that it's not some big, scary person on the other line. It's just another person who has good intentions of paying you back. You've just got to make sure that they pay you back first and anybody else, if they're in a tough situation, they pay them later or they're a mom and pop shop and they're doing it all right now. Those invoices just are sitting there on their desk waiting to be paid. They just forgot. So take the emotion out of it. Don't be afraid to just jump in and start asking people for payments because they will pay you and it's not it's not scary to ask. Great. Gene, thanks so much again for joining us on Collecting Thoughts. Thank you for having me.